Good morning. Uh, another Monday here in Bozeman, Montana. And today I wanted to go through some of the Instagram questions that we got from you guys. Uh, it's probably almost two weeks ago now. Um, things have been pretty busy. I was hoping Drake could be involved on this one, but um, if you know anything about Drake, you know that he is almost, he could be certifiably crazy about sheds. So he's, he's out shed hunting, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, we'll jump in. We, we got quite a few. Some of them are pretty similar. Uh, I don't know how long this will take, but, um, yeah, let's jump in here. Let's, uh, I'm gonna start reading some of these. Gallagher138 asks, how do you deal with camera battery life on long slash remote backpack hunts? Um, the best way I've found is just to take enough batteries for the entirety of your trip and batteries are heavy. It's a lot of extra weight, um, especially doing like seven day trips. But, um, I've just found that if you take solar panels or try to recharge batteries, uh, it, you don't end up doing it as much as you want to. Um, Typically on hunts, there's not a lot of downtime, um, or it seems like if you're expecting there to be downtime, there isn't. You know, the hunt's very action-packed, or you're constantly on the move, get into camp late at night, and you're tired, and so um, I've just found that the best way is to essentially calculate how many days you'll be in the field, how many batteries will you need, and then try to adhere to kind of a, a rationing principle of, hey, I get two batteries today, or I'm going to try to use one and a half batteries today. I'll always have one extra day. That way, if, if a day is just lights out and I need to just have the camera on and rolling a bunch, I can burn, you know, some more. And, and to some extent, I'd say that on certain days, you know, you know, not every day is going to be action packed. You can definitely kind of go past your limit. Let's say I want to use two batteries a day. You know, day two might be really good i'm gonna use three batteries you know um especially on the front end of a hunt i would say film the things that you think are necessary um and if you go past that you can always slow things down towards the end of the hunt but you know you would hate to not document things the way you wanted to especially if your guy killed on day two of a day seven trip because you were rationing batteries or something like that so you know i think um drake probably would say the same thing i think he just for the most part, takes extra batteries. Uh, D Hunters 97 says, backcountry hunting with camera gear as well as how you shoot in the rain. Um, <clears throat> as far as backcountry hunting with camera gear, I pretty much will always be carrying my camera um, either in my hand or on my cotton carrier on my shoulder strap as far as in the backcountry. Um I, you know, if you're running a professional body, it's going to be weather sealed and should be the metal body. Like you shouldn't have any issues carrying that thing all the time. And, and if it does rain, you know, there's some lens cut rain covers. There's ways to cover it. Um, if it's raining that hard, honestly, for me and what I've done in the past is I just put it in my backpack. You know, if it's raining that hard, the chances are we're trying to probably take cover anyways until it subsides or lets up a little bit. And, you know, my Nikon can handle quite a bit of rain, especially 
you know, another thing I'll do is I'll take, I'll always take a microfiber towel and they just absorb water so well that you can almost, you know, wipe your lens and your camera off with it. And if it absorbs enough water, you just wring that thing out and keep going. Um, so that's a really helpful piece of gear to have with you. Um, Jake, Jacob.Utah asked for proper submission guidelines to magazines. You just need to ask whatever magazine you're submitting to what their guidelines are. Um, that's super straightforward. AK Centric asks, bare necessities needed for photo gear in backcountry to go light as possible. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely not the ultra lightweight guy. I think <laughs> um, to some extent you just got to be a man and say, this is what I need. And I'm just going to deal with the weight, you know, like I want a professional body back here. I want three good lenses. I need batteries. Like this is just what it takes, you know? Um, so as far as bare necessities needed for photo gear in the backcountry, I mean, that can look like a hundred different things. And I think people get caught up in, in wanting to know what someone else uses or what someone else has for gear. And, you know, you could definitely find a solution that way, but ideally, if you're wanting to be a photographer, you should understand the gear that you have and why you have it. And so I always tell people, what are you doing? You know, like, what is it you want your gear to do for you? Cause it's just a tool. Like you should have a vision and you should say, well, what captures that vision the best for me? Or like, okay, I want to go super lightweight. Maybe I need a point and shoot. What point and shoot does that best? You know, what are the, how much do extra batteries cost? How can I charge a point and shoot? You know, like just, you got to put the work in on that front. Um, no one's going to be able to tell you this is my setup and just do that. And if you do, you know, follow a recommendation like that, you're probably not thinking on your own enough to really make it in this game. So, uh, I would, I would avoid that. Let's see. Ole McDonald underscore asks ideas for helping to learn your camera menu settings etc and its limits i mean we go through this in our, our course uh, our full course and that's just you should when you get into photography should be consuming as much as you can about photography i mean when i started i used to go down to barnes and noble like once a week for two three hours and just grab photography books or magazines off the shelves and just go read them you know i mean it was free um, we, both my brother and I, we would go out and we would just shoot photos around town, whether it was, you know, night shots, you know, low or high ISO, you know, just doing some macro stuff, like go force yourself, give yourself a photo assignment every day for the next two weeks, you know, and just start going through your camera menu. If you don't understand what something is in the menu, Google it. Um, if you're not sure about settings, Google it, you know. In our course, we talk about those things, but, uh, you know, the basics of photography is something that's taught a million times over, you know, um, and so we didn't feel like we needed to rehash all of that. It's pretty simple stuff. It might seem a little daunting when you first get into it, but, you know, just put some energy into trying to figure it out and use your camera. Um, it's okay to screw stuff up. That's part of the learning process. So uh main beam productions or prods he asks uh staying motivated to shoot and work on a new business uh i'm not sure exactly what he's asking there um 
yeah, motivation, I'll just say motivation can be tough. Um, when the ball's rolling and you're doing well, motivation is easy to find, I think. Um, motivation, it could definitely dip if things aren't going your way. Um, but you just have to remember that pretty much, at least for me and probably a lot of people, anything you do in life is going to have its down moments, you know, like you're not successful all the time. And, you know, the moments where you're struggling for motivation are the moments that are going to like define your character and who you are as a person and as a photographer. And, um, if you approach it the right way, it should actually give you a lot of motivation. I'd say if you're motivating to shoot and work on a new business, like that should be pretty exciting because you get to be the catalyst for a lot of the growth and a lot of the way the brands portrayed and perceived by customers. So, um, yeah. Okay. Flyco asks how to shoot fishing. Uh, I've thought about doing that. Uh, obviously it might be a little against the grain as far as the name of the hunting photographer, but I have a huge background in shooting a lot of fishing photography and I think there's definitely some things to be taught there. Um, so maybe down the road, but right now we're sticking to hunting. Um, yeah, I would say if there's anything you're trying to shoot better, just go study, uh, the guys and the photos that you think are really at that top level and try to understand how they shot them or, or how would you go about thinking about that photo to end up having that vision in your head as a photographer? Um, yeah. Hunt fish follow asks working in the outdoor industry as a creative from outside the U S yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be pretty tough. I think really the best way to do that is to kind of be an ambassador for a brand. Um, you know, hunting opportunities outside the U S are unique. And so that brings some value right there. Um, but you have to understand that probably that, that content is going to target a very small demographic of a brand's customers out of the United States for the most part. But I'd say an ambassador trying to provide some unique content would be kind of, you know, one, one way to approach working with U.S. brands if you don't live here. Uh, Dan Brisley asks, would love to hear tips on shooting in full sun. Um, I think shooting in full sun's pretty straightforward. The lighting can be really harsh, which can be tough to deal with. Uh, a few things that w definitely will help. I think a polarizer uh, makes a world of difference on really bright days. It just helps keep, you know, that blue sky and, and the sky in general exposed a little lower i mean it, it it adds a little bit more detail back a little bit more saturation it just gives it a nice look you know it's like in the summer do you like you know looking straight into like a sunny view or do you like looking at that same view with your polarized sunglasses on you know i mean i think most people would say the polarized sunglasses um the the one thing that can be tough in in full sun is to shoot a really low aperture you know so having it wide open at 2.8 or 1.4 and you know it's even harder with video because your shutter speed needs to be a lot lower but uh, variable neutral density filters are a good way to achieve that um, 
you know, especially even if you're wanting to shoot some long exposure stuff in the full sun, uh, variable ND filters, probably hundred, $115. So I think it's something that every photographer should have in their bag. I didn't run one for a long time. Um, I didn't really know any better and thought I could kind of get away with it and eventually bought one and was glad I did. So, um, you know, as, as far as other things, I mean, you can shoot really high shutter speeds, low ISOs, higher apertures to expose in the full sun. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, sometimes there's just times where full sun, as far as lighting is just tough and I don't try to fight it too much. I just, you know, accept what it is, try to get unique if I, if I need to try to find a way to have something block the sun maybe. Um, but yeah, full sun, I don't think should be too difficult. It's not an ideal time to shoot certain things, uh, for other things it probably would be. Let's see here. Nate Carruthers, I hope I'm saying that right, asks, how do you balance loyalty to brands you like and work for versus honesty and trying new gear? Um, I guess it's not a super clear question, at least on my end, because uh, he's asking, how do you balance loyalty to brands you like and work for versus honesty and trying new gear? So I guess he's talking about, hey, I, I work for a brand, I like their gear, but something new pops up and I want to try it. Um, I mean, honestly, unless you're, unless you have a really large contract with them or something in writing saying that you couldn't try another brand, uh, I don't really see a problem. I think the problem here is if you are like a public figure kind of on that like ambassador or like face of a brand, you know, it's using you in their content you know, if you've positioned yourself like that, then maybe trying new gear could get you in hot water. But if you're behind the scenes, if you're just a photographer, you should ideally really be able to do whatever you want. You know, I mean, last year I shot for, you know, multiple brands that are competitors of one another. And, you know, there were no issues. I, they all knew who I shot for. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the face of the content. I wasn't face of the brand. I was just providing a service as a photographer and so I did whatever I wanted to do and did a good job delivering for each brand that I worked for at the time and um, that's kind of how that went. Um, I'd say that's a, that's a tough one to give you a very specific answer on. Uh, speaking from in the past of, you know, working full time at Montana Wild, um, in that space where you are providing content and have followers. Um, I think the honesty and the trying the new gear comes through really well to your customers and builds trust versus just, Hey, I've, I've liked this brand I've worked for. I'm just going to stick with them forever. I think it's great to have long longevity in partnerships and with brands, but if someone's building a better product and it works better for you, why would you not use it? You know, and if you do and you say, hey, this is why I switched from X to Y, they make a better product or this product fits me better or it does X, Y, Z better for me. Um, I think that has a lot of value for the people that follow you. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, Sam Lucas, Samuel B. Lucas, he asks, 
there are unwritten rules to respect in the kill politically pol or politics is usually involved and many don't understand the sport um so i think he's just asking like maybe how to go about respecting the kill uh or maybe showing it um i think i think to some extent you should show it the way that you want to show it um i think there's general guidelines that probably you should adhere to, you know, try to clean the blood off the animal, try to position it nicely. But I mean, you do you, we live in America, it's a free country or hopefully still will be. Um, even though we're kind of just seemingly giving up rights right at the moment, like it's going out of style, but yeah, it's a free country and do it the way you want to do it. I mean, yeah, if you want to, feel swayed by politics and other people then you might want to do it certain ways but yeah i think just like do it the way that it happens and feels right for you because that's just like who you are as a person and it's kind of hard to argue with that um you know if you if you're trying to do it a certain way to please someone you're probably not being authentic to yourself or the animal and it, it usually comes across kind of weird so <clears throat> Yeah, I think as far as, as respecting the kill and taking photos of it, I think just clean it up and position it well. Smile, you know. Uh, if you want to celebrate, that's fine. Just be conscientious of what certain celebrations might look like to an outsider. Uh, <clears throat> and yeah, take some different angles, shoot some photos of it. And, you know, you can always kind of chew on it and look at those later and decide which one might be the best to post. But um sam had another question here he said what's next how do you innovate content and storytelling when all the hunting content is the same innovation happened five years ago now it's stagnant um i think sam has a point i would definitely agree with him i think the heyday of hunting content was oh let's see it's 2020 probably five just the seven yeah probably five years ago five to seven years ago um i think a lot of people you know how do you innovate i think you innovate when you're unique in the fact of you want to do something that has meaning to you or you want to find something that's has a unique spin on something um I see a lot of people that get into the content game, whether it's photography or film, and they just adhere to this imitation model. You know, they see someone that's had success, and you can see this big time as far as hunting content on YouTube, the daily series, you know? I mean, a few guys started doing it, and it was not a unique idea and you know, the realm of just YouTube videos by any means, but, you know, to the hunting industry, there weren't many people that had done it or, you know, whatever. And so obviously brand A or group A had success. And then other people like, oh, well, they're doing good with that. We want to do YouTube. We'll do the same thing, you know, and that just ends up flooding the industry with a lot of stagnant content um you know when when travis and i were full-time just focusing on montana wild we always just did the things that we we thought were cool 
And a lot of what we thought was cool were things that we'd never seen done or things that weren't portrayed, hunts that didn't typically get filmed or documented because they were tough hunts. You know, I mean, to this day, I haven't seen a whole lot of great mountain mule deer films because hunting mountain mule deer, especially in Montana, is freaking tough. Um, I think you can also pull a lot of inspiration from other industries. You know, I know I've pulled a lot of inspiration from skate and surf. Um, ski snowboard industry has been big. Um, you know, there's a lot of other industries that are building content and telling stories and it's, it's okay. You know, even sports is a great one. There's a lot of great sports, uh, stories in sports. And a lot of great ways that brands are promoting and telling stories around athletes. And so, you know, I think the way to innovate content and storytelling is to consume a lot of it and be thoughtful about what it is that you're creating and not just imitating someone else because they had success. I think for me, uh, as far as as hunting film, I think we're going to start trending back towards more high quality content i think it got you know five years ago there were some pretty large budgets on films and it got people excited and then we started seeing everyone have a youtube channel and a hunting group and you know they wanted to piece that spotlight and now it's like i don't remember the last time i watched a hunting film that caught me freaking stoked that I was like, wow, that was epic. Like that was a great film. Uh, I think, you know, I think the go hunt guys do a great job of that, but you know, even some of their films, um, have me definitely wanting more. Um, so yeah, I think it'll trend back towards some larger budgets and more thought and, you know, probably I wouldn't say maybe longer length, but in that 10 to 30 minute films. Um, so yeah, just, I think there's a lot of ways to innovate on content as well as like distribution strategies. You know, a lot of people are like, I put it on my YouTube and, and uh, I posted it on my Instagram and that was it, you know, and, and people share it. And like, that's cool, but there's a lot of ways I think to innovate on how you distribute content too. Uh, the gu- the gusano, <laughs> the gusano, the gusano, I don't know how you pronounce that properly, but he asks, your process for saving, backing up, and long-term storage of files. So in the course, we go through this in its entirety. We also are going to be offering our shooting and editing module to you guys through our website. Um, that'll be up um, when you guys hear this podcast. I think it's $2.99 or $3.99. Uh, and that's basically the entire section of our course about shooting and editing and file management. Lightroom editing, etc., and so we go through that process in the course. But basically, what you want to do is you want to have your your photo your photos your photography your photos backed up in in two unique places, and ideally, one of the two backups would be at a different site. And you know, if you're really wanting to make sure that it's safe, either the second site would be in the cloud um, or it would be on a hard drive in a location, you know, separate from the first one and maybe in like a fireproof safe or something like that. Um, 
I don't get too worked up about it. I have both my backups in the same spot. And, you know, if my house burned down, I'd be bummed. But you can always go shoot new photos. So many of my photos live in certain places, either on social media or, um, you know, in drop boxes or smug mug galleries that I would still be able to see them. I wouldn't have the full res, but um, that's a personal decision on just how safe you want your photos to be. Um, Mike One Gray asks, is it faster to use auto settings when you're taking unpredictable fast shots? Is it faster? Yeah, it's probably faster. Is it better? I would say no. Um, you know, auto settings can work in certain lighting conditions pretty well. Let's say sunnier, more well-lit um, scenarios. It will generally be in a good ballpark as far as settings. But I think if it's a photographer, like you should get to know your camera well enough that there's not too many situations where you couldn't adjust those settings in two seconds you know and get the shots um a lot of being ready for unpredictable fast shots is, is just as you're hiking around or when things are not happening when things are a little more stagnant making sure you know you're looking through a camera or taking a photo and being like hey are my settings matching the environment that i'm in right now um you know, as long as you stay on top of, okay, my, my settings and my camera match and where we're at right now, then you should literally be able to just pull up and shoot. You shouldn't even have to worry about the settings. And that's something that you can think about on the fly all the time, you know. Um, so that way when an unpredictable fast shot comes up, you're not scrambling to change your settings. You know, if you haven't changed your settings in an hour and you just went from a really sunny exposed open ridge down to dark timber you're gonna be way off and it's gonna take you a few seconds to shift but the second i walk into the timber i'm looking through my camera and i'm saying i'm adjusting my settings right then and there so that i'm ready for anything that would happen in like this drastically new environment i'm in so i would avoid using the autofocus setting or the auto settings and try to shoot you know shutter or aperture priority or i shoot full manual um yeah um let's see sam has another question here just what to do about a decreasing population of hunters um you know uh i think you can definitely try to inspire other people uh non-hunters to go hunting you can invite non-hunters to go hunting i mean it could be a pessimistic outlook but i think if you look at our society and where it's going I think it will hard it'll be hard to grow hunter numbers in any real way. I think that we'll see a, a gradual decline. I think it'll kind of flatten out at some point. But I mean, just our lifestyle as Americans has changed so much in the last 40 years that I think it's just going to be inherent that less people are going to hunt. <clears throat> um public lands is another thing that you know, we'll always have, in my opinion, <coughs> excuse me, but it's not going to grow. You know, it'll definitely shrink over time. Uh, I don't think that limits opportunity necessarily for the people that are willing to go ask landowners. You definitely can find places to hunt. A lot of people want to complain and say, oh man, there's those public land. I can't do X, Y, Z. It's like, well, have you knocked on anyone's door? Because I'm sure you can find someone to let you hunt. It might not be a big buck or a big bull, but 
they're going to let you go. Um, so yeah, uh, Carl Blattman, Carl underscore Blattman. He has a question here. Um, good images versus what is actually going to get traction on social. Um, I would shoot both. Uh, I personally, when I go out into the field, just try to shoot good images. And I, I think his question's not great because good images typically do get traction on social, but there are good images that don't fit the platform of social media because maybe like the, you know, like really wide landscape photos that you need to view at a large size don't fit the Instagram platform very well. Um, obviously vertical images do well on social media. Uh, I think images that are like more close-ups on the subject or the action do well, uh, just because the screen size is small. You know, if you go through like the thumbnail, like the grid layout of your photos in Lightroom or whatever photo editor, sometimes picking images based on that is, is really good because your photos end up living in a grid on your profile and they end up living in a feed that's kind of basically a glorified thumbnail of your photo. And so viewing them in thumbnail view, sometimes you'll get a sense of what looks good, you know, or view them in a very zoomed out setting. Um, because when you view them full size on your computer, it's definitely not the viewing experience that people are going to have when they view it on Instagram or social media. So, uh, I would shoot great images, but yes, I definitely pick images that I know will attract eyeballs on Instagram. You know, if there's three, let's say I just went fishing the other day, if there's three fish photos, I'm going to pick the one that I think people are going to interact with or relate to best, you know, uh, and that's some of, some of that's just experience of posting stuff and knowing what I want to post. And there's stuff that never sees the light of day on my hard drives because it just doesn't fit or didn't, you know, fit for the time, whatever. But I wouldn't get too hung up on that until your photos are shot and then you can go through that process when you're looking to post to social media. So make sure we're still recording. Oh yeah. Um, dialed in Hunter asks, uh, different editing styles and finding your own dark and moody, natural, etc. <clears throat> I think it's okay to have a unique editing style as long as it doesn't feel like the photo's been uh, overly edited. Um, there's some photographers I work with here at Stone Glacier that have their own style and how they edit their photos. And I appreciate it, you know, 90% of the time. And then the other 10, I wish they just didn't do it. I think as far as, as um, your portfolio and your Instagram, edit them to your personal taste and your own style and then roll with that. But when you're delivering to a client, I would go for a more natural as the eye sees it look and then let the brand um, tweak the creative on that image for their advertising or their catalog or whatever they would be using it for that would be a conversation I would have with my client too is you know if you didn't understand or know what they wanted just ask them um, but again that's personal preference um, Cheyenne McLeod asks 
do you use action cameras at all gopro dji or insta 360 um yeah i i mean i use a dji mavic drone um but no i don't use action cameras really at all um i think there are definitely applications where you could use one and get some unique imagery but I guess for me, uh, I haven't used any of the latest GoPros. I could always tell it was a GoPro or an action camera. And so I just, I didn't use them as much as I thought I would. I think on the social media front and maybe trying to find some unique perspectives, I think there's definitely a place to use an action camera, but it's just a matter of, do you want to have that piece of gear and how often do you use it? And, you know, I just ended up not using them. And so I got rid of them, but uh, there's definitely a place for them. Clarko24 asks, um, how do you separate from the pack? How to stand out and make an impact with your work? Uh, I think a good way to stand out is just to try to get creative with the images that you capture and have a story behind it or do something unique. Uh, in the course we go into, you know, Drake and I brainstormed a lot of different ways to kind of break through the noise and and to grow your brand. I think as far as this question goes, um, just how to separate from the pack. I mean, for me, the easiest way is what hasn't been done out there. You know, whatever that realm is you live in, if it's turkey hunting, what photos haven't been shot, what angles haven't been captured, if it's big game hunting, what are some things people haven't done? Uh, or if they've done them, you know, what are the things that have been done that haven't been documented? Um, there's a lot of ways. I mean, I think it just comes down to like how, who are you as a photographer? Like be true to that because that's a, for sure a way to stand out. If you're true to yourself and what you think is cool and what you like, that typically will set you apart. Um, as opposed to being a photographer who's trying to imitate what works and then you kind of look like 20 other guys out there um so yeah um bianca germain she asks advice on staying fresh and continuing to grow evolve in the space and that's a good question that's kind of similar to the last one um staying fresh can be tough i, I mean i think staying fresh is like force yourself to shoot different activities and different parts of hunting. You know, let's say maybe all I'm going to be doing is spring bear hunting for the next month, which is coming up here in Montana. Um, I would pick three unique locations to hunt bears, you know, like let's hunt bears in like the rainforest of Northwest Montana. Let's hunt them, you know, in some avalanche shoots in, you know, the mountains, maybe down around the bear twos or the crazies and then let's hunt them you know in maybe some more low rolling timber areas or clear cuts you know force yourself to shoot a diversity of landscapes and then maybe if you have three days of hunting or four days of hunting in each location maybe every day you focus on a different aspect maybe you want to crush photos of you know getting ready at the truck on day one maybe day two you want to shoot a great uh photo of of a bear you know or of a guy glassing on an epic you know lookout 
whatever it is, I think, I think the best way to stay fresh and to continue to grow and evolve in this space is to be thoughtful outside of the time that you're using your camera and, and planning what it is that you want to shoot and why. I think a lot of people don't think about why they're going out to photograph something or what they want to achieve uh, when, they're, when they get back from photographing something. And so I think the more that you can plan ahead of time, uh, the better. I think, you know, if you sit down behind your computer with an open Word document and the internet at your fingertips and I'm going on a five-day bear hunt here in a week, I'm going to start thinking through that hunt in my head. What are we doing? Where are we going? What's unique? What would be a cool photo? And I think that's pretty easy to spark ideas. A lot of times one idea rolls into another idea. And before you know it, you have a bunch of shots that you're excited to shoot. And now you have purpose when you go out. You know, now you're more focused. Now you're, you know, you're excited again, probably, rather than just showing up, you know, on Tuesday morning, meeting the guys or girls who are going hunting and your camera's there and you're going to start shooting, you know, um, the more you're invested in something, the more excited about it you'll most likely be and the more, um, invested in it. And then, you know, that thoughtfulness will translate into you're now looking for shots with your, <laughs> with your eyes, using your brain and the camera's just a tool, you know, where if you show up on the shoot without a shot list, Sometimes you're looking through the camera searching for a shot. Um, and so I think having those ideas ahead of time will definitely help you grow and evolve your photography and just who you are as a photographer. So um, that's it. I'm going to wrap it up with that question there. Um, yeah, there were a couple more, but I think that's a good one to end on. And that's probably about as long as I want to go for today. Be looking for... Um, <clears throat> us to drop our business module here very soon might even be up on the website for those of you who are listening um we're going to be offering some some discounted pricing just to the first 10 people uh just kind of want to give again a little incentive to those of you out there that are you know have been waiting for us to offer this and are motivated to kind of invest in yourself especially with kind of the current situation economically. It's just nice to give those people that are hungry a little bit of a break. Um, so yeah, if, if you've been wanting the business module, go check it out. We'll be posting a bunch more tomorrow uh, about this and you'll see it up on social and through the emails and, and everything else. But uh, for the podcast listeners, little heads up there. Um, yeah, after those 10, first 10 signups, we're just going to go to regular pricing and um, – and go from there but the shooting and editing modules available as well we probably won't really hype that up for a little bit uh just because drake and i are busy but it is available uh won't be any special introductory pricing on that it's a pretty low price point and you know i think <clears throat> both drake and i feel like we're giving a lot a lot more value than the cost on these courses and and hopefully you guys are seeing that in the students that have went through the courses and what they have to say and what they're doing and it's not just us you know running our mouths and thinking that what we're doing is great but we do you know i think there's a lot of value in what we've provided here through our course and you know we just want to see people 
do a better job. I think it benefits everyone in the industry if uh, people have more education on how to go about it. And it just opens a lot of doors for people, whether they want to be a photographer for the rest of their life or not. So um, stay safe out there, you guys. Enjoy your week. And uh, we'll, we'll be dropping some more episodes here soon.